Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast. This is episode three and today we are going to be chatting about uh, the grey area of drinking, um, which is sometimes known as the addiction spectrum. Um, Before we get on to that subject, we'll begin as usual with a a little check-in to see uh, how we're doing today. Hi Mandy, how are you? Hi there. Yeah, I'm not too bad actually. Um, I had a really bad bout of... uh... Um, insomnia on Sunday night. We're recording this. It's Tuesday, so I really suffered. Um, but I managed to get back on track last night. So um, yeah, sleep is quite problematic for me. But um, so I'm feeling better today. And plus, I've got two days off work. So Yay! That helps. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit. My sleep was dodgy last night, and. Um, I mean, you know, I'll do a seamless link to drinking about how bad, how badly uh, drinking affected my sleep. And uh, it just is such a precious commodity to me. And it's really irritating because it's the first thing that goes with me if I've got too much on. And Mm. last night I didn't sleep very well. I had a couple of of restless hours. And then so I woke up and actually I thought, no, I need to take this off my list I managed to sort of take about four things off my list and I'm just like yeah I feel good about that because I was actually dealing with it rather than again back in the the old drinking days I'd have just kind of not really dealt with it and then got through to probably wine o'clock and then you know drunk some wine to kind of make myself feel better supposedly so I just think I've yeah I'm good actually despite a not very nice night's sleep I feel kind of good about where I'm at and the choices I'm making. (laughs) That's where I'm at today. So on to this grey area of drinking. Now I've been aware of calling it the kind of uh, addiction spectrum sort of in my reading and stuff but you were the the first person who talked to me about the grey area of drinking and do you want to kind of tell us a bit about where you came across that and, and how it works for you? Yeah, um, well, this comes uh, from, I mean, I don't know where it originates from, but um, Jolene Park and Aidan Donnelly Rowley, who do the Edit podcast in the States, which I really recommend. It's uh, really, really interesting. Um, They talked about um, that there wasn't enough conversation about what happens before, um, you know, physical addiction, before alcoholism, before... Uh, recovery you know so say if you're looking at a scale what happens before it goes black so you know if you put um uh, as we say a normal drinker that has no kind of dependence whatsoever as white um and then you've got this whole gray area of people that for whatever reason probably would be happier without drinking and those people don't really get a voice and don't really um have a place to make a decision about um, stopping drinking because um, they're not part of this black and white model. Um, And so I found that really interesting and it helped me because I've kind of always struggled with this concept of addiction, even though I kind of recognize it now. And, you know, I do understand that alcohol is an addictive substance. Um, For me, it was very interesting to talk about all... um, all this kind of gradient area 
and also just to kind of um, to be conscious that you know no one woke up one day and 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 decided to be addicted to alcohol you know it was it, it's a progressive thing it's a gradient it's a, a progression and you know luckily some of us get to get off um, that scale before um, we get hospitalized before it becomes a medical matter before um, you know we are in, in sort of rehab um, but you know I, I really have that empathy now to understand that sort of it's only leading one way really and it's very mm. circumstantial and it's very um a lot to do with a huge amount of factors um but yeah just it helps to to place yourself in the conversation of drinking um as a as a substance that can become addictive basically yeah right yeah i mean i i found that really useful as well um in terms of uh, whenever I went to, I, I didn't. I tried AA uh, quite a few years back, and and I just I couldn't. Uh, you know, there was this that kind of black and white definition of you're you're a normal drinker or you're you're an alcoholic, and if you're there, you're an alcoholic, and you can't really speak unless you unless I was going, hi, I'm Kate, and I'm an alcoholic. And what I wanted to say was, hi, I'm Kate. I'm really struggling with alcohol at the moment. Um, I don't know where I'm at with it, but it's not feeling very good. <laughs> but I don't yeah. think I'm an alcoholic yet. You know, like, but I wasn't even allowed to speak, and you're not allowed to speak traditionally unless you kind of introduce yourself with that label so that was like hugely sort of off-putting to me and I definitely felt like I was somewhere on that that spectrum that gradient that you're talking about whether where it was a problem but it it wouldn't have been defined I wouldn't have checked those boxes to put the label or to really I suppose for me the issue is to qualify me for any adequate support so there is no support for the grey area of drinking as far as I'm concerned there's only support this might be changing you know I it okay, seems to yeah. be yeah until you're in the black area and then the support kicks in and you know what why wait you know like if people can get off earlier surely that's going to be sort of helpful then to look to look at that area and to ask questions yeah, I mean, I've found, you know, with myself, with friends, with people that I've met, um, there's so many people and, you know, now it kind of just feels really sad that you can have the same conversation, you know, for years of just like, well, I'm not that bad, um, but, and, and you can't, you know, associate with, you know, but I can just stop and that, you know, that I, that that's a justified choice, you know, and you kind of think that, um, you can only make that choice if you have no other choice to make. Um, and you know, there's huge research that says that people with anxiety or depression, um, really alcohol is not going to be helping them. Um, there's a lot of people that are using alcohol for the wrong reason. It's a huge part of British culture to be like, you know, have a drink to commiserate something, um, have a drink to celebrate something. Um, there was actually a really interesting uh, news round report. It's quite old, actually. Um, it was Claire Pooley who wrote um, Sober Sober Mummy. Yeah. Sober Mummy. Um, she she posted it the other day on Facebook. But it, com it comes from 2010, but it basically shows kids being around alcohol and and in different ways, and just that subtle kind of. Um, way that 
you know, we drink to just sort of um, to relieve stress, you know, and that's a message mm. we're sending to kids that it's a good way to oh, relieve stress. It's a good stress. coping strategy. Yeah, and um, mm. and all those things is if you put them into a kind of, um, you know, into a scientific uh, spectrum, all those things are, are problematic drinking. Mm. Um, and certainly living in France, I've seen a different way that they treat alcohol. Uh, not saying that there aren't alcohol problems in France, there definitely are. Um, but that kind of, um, that way of it being, um, you know, some sort of a, a medicine, um, that they really mm. don't use it in that way. You know, you enjoy alcohol, you don't use it, I think, mm. which is quite interesting to talk about at some point. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, because you can read sort of the, the guidelines as many times as you want. I mean, I read it the other day that sort of binge drinking uh, is five or more drinks for a man or four or more units for a woman on the same occasion. So for me, that's like not much in my experience and heavy alcohol use uh, is been drinking five or more times in the last month um, and even stuff like that you know I find it shocking but it, I've read it a million times and it didn't resonate because it was just like well that's just yeah whatever you know that's just it's kind normal. of normal that's a normal Saturday night isn't it and then once yeah. more for good measure and then you've got you're in the heavy binge drinking category like yeah it felt yeah um, it was very normal for for my generation definitely to kind of all my group of friends who I wouldn't say were you know rowdy drinkers but you know dinner parties and stuff like that uh, of latter days would easily drink that that amount and yeah. not even blink at it really yeah so, so what, yeah what um what other sort of um signs do you think there are or, or what did you spot in yourself that you would have said okay I'm in the grey area of drinking I've got I've got a problematic relationship um well all of this is quite sort of retrospective now I guess you know we should sort of, sort of say the, the questions that we wish we had asked ourselves or we wish someone had uh, asked us mm. um I think um for me, it's very much the, those uh, sort of broken promises, you know, so um, I'm not going to drink on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, um, Thursdays is nearly the weekend, so that's okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, and then you find an excuse to go out on a Tuesday and so, or, you know, uh, and then you say you're not going to do it again or you're hungover and you feel bad. So you say, right, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then you feel all right by the evening. So then you just, you know, you forget kind of thing. Um, that, um, um, that thinking about drinking too much, like it took up so much mental space for me sort of, uh, controlling my drinking like why like, you know I'm not going to do this ah now I can do it that kind of release mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. you know um and I kind of had two periods of drinking so I had a period when I was very depressed um so obviously the signs and if we're talking about an addiction spectrum or a scale you know I put myself quite high on that scale at that time uh you know I found it incredibly hard to to stop um and I was drinking a lot on my own and I was sort of crying into my 
my wine glass and it was all pretty you know quite tragic and negative and I was very very lonely and and you know and then I went into therapy and and stuff like that so um I'd say I was like a seven on the scale you know I don't think I had a physical addiction but I don't think I was far um and then I kind of gave up and when I went back to drinking it was very different I was in a very different headspace um it was much happier drinking but you know I was still having those those times where I binge and drink way too much and wake up in the morning mm. or black out and or wake up in the morning and just be like oh, you yeah. know how did that happen like I didn't expect to still do that mm-hmm. um and you know the the fact that I was okay not to drink all week you know that was totally done it didn't even enter my head um or to drink on my own but as soon as my husband kind of got home on a Friday night I was like literally sort of like at, on the edge of my seat like you know come on you know let's crack on like get the <laughs> bottle open um so I yeah I kind of realized that I just changed the goalpost really like mm. I was still had that relationship with alcohol I just changed my my behavior with it but mm. it still wasn't healthy you know mm-hmm. what about for you yeah, I really recognise that um, failing to meet the goals and setting limits um, around it. So, you know, I won't drink here. I'll only drink two glasses of wine on a Wednesday and then, you know, that's and then I'll have a break till Saturday. And, and there was all of the, all of that. And sometimes I'd manage that, but sometimes I wouldn't. And then I would consistently drink more than well, I say more than I intended to on a Saturday. But really, actually, I just wanted to get pissed. And it's as simple as that. I didn't want to drink a glass of wine. I didn't want to be moderate. I wanted to go, hey, let's just let all, let's have a little hell break loose and let loose, you know. And that was part of my, I think now looking back, my mismanagement of my stress in my life and old messages around, you know, what constitutes fun and a bit of old identity in there. And, Mm. you know, so it was like a pressure valve rather than you know going off so I think there was that there was so there was the binge drinking um using it to kind of really especially when I became a mum and was stay at home and um that's when my I I gave up drinking after the birth of my second child um it I just was I was really bored I was lonely all my structure had gone at home and I was really gagging to get to wine o'clock you know I'm really wanting to have a glass of wine with dinner and when I made the dinner so I always say it's sort of big sort of danced and maneuvered itself center stage where I wasn't drinking all the time but I if I you know I'd like to have been you know I'd have liked to have like had that glass of wine every day really and that was my treat and my reward um and I think the other thing was yeah so the, the feelings around it the shame I was mm. I felt really crap about it. I felt guilty for not meeting my my goals and not and having that creeping feeling that I wasn't entirely in control. Feeling under par all the time. Hangovers were hideous. Um and also having that kind of tug of war, will I won't I? I won't I'll go on, I deserve it. And having this whole conversation with it. So I mean now I look back, I'm like, man. <laughs> that's not that's not a pretty picture but for me that was just normal that was just like okay I think I've got a bit of a problem with alcohol you know <laughs> but now yeah. I look back I'm like wow and oh, I well. kind of you know and people would suggest not being so hard on yourself no one like ever kind of thinks well actually well alcohol really sucks for you 
yeah. knock it on the head. It's so extreme. Why would you do that? Maybe you should just moderate and count your units and carry on the kind of the misery of it all. And I just think, Jesus, now I look back on it. So yeah, those 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 were my quite a few signs. But again, at the time, I mean you asked me, didn't you? And I said, Well, at the time, all I had really was like when I was hungover and feeling anxious, I wanted to give up. And then by Wednesday when I wasn't hungover, I wanted a glass of wine. And so I yeah. did not have that clarity. I did not see those signs clearly. I just was on this kind of, I want wine, I don't want wine, I want wine, that feels crap, I don't want wine. You know, so I, I, I didn't have that clarity, to be fair, which maybe that's why it's kind of confusing for people, you know? Yeah, I think um, we, that's one of the major kind of signs, isn't it, um, that we were going to talk about, um, that back and forth and that, like, brain chatter, um that's been kind of identified as an actual thing hasn't it so yeah. um do you want to explain about um, that yeah there's so that that seems to be so we we talked about you know there are various websites you can you can go on to and kind of do those checklists and i'm sure you know i've i've filled in a few in my time <laughs> and yeah. then still like still a bit inconclusive and i didn't still really get the support i needed afterwards i have to say but um but one thing that seems to have come out of a lot of people in this grey area that I've met on sober forums is this, uh, there's a few things, there's the sort of the, the trigger times, you know, the wine o'clock, which we seem to recognise, and those, you know, the triggers are, and reward and stress relief, that seems to be fairly common. And then this thing about this kind of tug of war, which um, Jack Trimpney, I think, first identified in his book, called uh, Rational Recovery, and I think that was back in the 80s, and he was like the founding father of the smart recovery um, process, mm -hmm. which sort of, I know that's big in the US, so we don't have many groups in the UK, and, um, but so this is this sort of, oh, part of you wants to drink and the other one doesn't, and he, um, he looked at the brain science behind it, um, like the, the hypothalamus, which is the kind of primitive brain, thinks you need it for survival, and then the mm -hmm. frontal cortex, which is the rational side of the brain, which is like the eye, you know, it's like, don't, yes, of course I won't drink because it's a really bad idea. And what if the kids need to go to the A&E? That's the frontal cortex. And then I'll go on, I'm just going to have one. That's the other side. That's the hypothalamus. And mm -hmm. um, and then they go into war. They pit, pit against each other. And I think a lot of us recognise that elongated, protracted conversation with the wine witch as it's got commonly known or this kind of tug of war and he actually that was his his indicator actually for addiction interestingly that was like that's the one if you're doing that you're addicted so you know so it's called addictive uh the addictive voice and the technique for for recovery by his process is addictive voice recognition Whereas simply all you do is you become mindful of it. You don't argue with it. You just go off and distract. You just say no. So when it says, oh, go on, I'm just going to have one glass of wine this this tea time. It's just like you say to it, I don't drink. And then you go and do something else. Literally, mm. do not engage. Do not argue. And actually, I did use that. That's the only way I got through the first probably month and a half, I think, was I used to say I starved that voice of oxygen. So yeah. I'd not give it and any airtime. And I think um, it's been, you know, uh, various writers and different people have, have given it different personas. And I think that's quite a nice thing to do is kind of, you know, mine, you know, we talk about the wine witch, but 
in my head it wasn't really a witch it was more of a kind of evil fairy you know that's kind of like tinkerbell but you know with with shoes made of i don't know metal or something like <laughs> poking me in the in the head like tick 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 you know that kind of horror thing um buzzing around my ear of just like trying to trick me um i know that for Catherine gray who wrote um the Unexpected Joy of Being Sober, which is a really, really brilliant book. Um, she, for her, it was Voldemort, which, uh, you know, from Harry yeah, Potter. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I know that there's another one uh, which she quotes in the book, uh, and we'll put the link on, um, who calls it Wolfie, you know, the big uh, yeah. bad wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it to, well, for the first thing to do is to recognize that you're ha- that conversation is, is happening, that chatter, you know, and it can be very, very subtle, just like, you know, yeah, you can, mine was very much like about how much I was going to drink, be like, yeah, I think you can sort of have another half a glass, that that would be okay, and then mm-hmm. it'd be like, yeah, well, I think, you know, I like, you know, I used to put stuff away and then get it out again, <laughs> just like, oh, I'm done, I'm done. Oh, I think I can just have another one, you know, and it's that kind of battle in your in your head. Yeah. But, um, and that's something that when it's gone um, is why quite a lot of people feel so elated and mm. feel so, so relieved. Sort you of know. freedom from it. Yeah. Mm. And, it's, and, and I think that's why when people, you know, do try to moderate and, you know, think that that's the way. But what you're doing is you're working so hard to control something. And if you really, really analyze it, it's like, what am I doing? Like, just to keep this drink in my life, mm. I'm sort of using this whole willpower sort of control to to cut this voice and to stop, you know, like this yeah. voice saying, you're not that bad. Like, you only drank on the weekends, you know, because that's all I was doing at the end was just like drinking two, maybe three days a week. Um, but still, it was like so hugely important and just taking up so much time so um, if you can identify that and then yeah find ways you know to to do something else Mm -hmm. especially at those trigger times when you're stressed or anxious or at five o'clock or you know if you're a mum and work out what time what time your trigger times are you know for for people it's different times of the day isn't it yeah Um, for mums often it's like you know when they finally go to bed or, you know, or before, you know. uh, So trying to help you get through the upward hill to to bedtime. It was for me when I was having to do it on my own all the time. I was like, oh, God. Um, What was I going to say? Yeah, that whole um, doing... So for me, you know, I think that's the other thing that is a bit of a problem is that moderation is always um, suggested, I think, or it always was to me, but moderation was actually the problem. Mm. Moderation was my grey area, quite simply, and actually doing 100% is so much easier than than 99%. (laughs) And you hear that because you actually get to be free, don't you? So, But what about um, this questions? Are there any questions that you wish that you'd asked yourself to kind of speed up your process or to help yourself a bit? more you know when you're in it 
the benefit yeah, of there's, hindsight. There's sort a really, of. really great list that I found uh, recently, uh, which is um, on the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. Again, we'll put it on a, a list, uh, a link, sorry, um, about alcohol use disorder. And it's a, a big, big list of kind of, um, of, of reasons that like drinking might be problematic for you. And basically at the end of the list, they say, even if you, you say yes to one of these things, that means that, you know, you, you have a problematic relationship and that's, was really freeing. Cause it's just like, okay, well, so I don't have to say yes to all these things to be justified to stop. Mm, to qualify I, I, you, somehow. Yeah. yeah I yeah, know. Yeah. You know, I can just, I can just say uh, yes to one. So we talked about it before, and we've got I've got a few written down here. Um, so how often do you promise yourself that you won't drink, and then you do? How often are you putting boundaries on your drinking? Uh, how do you feel the morning after? Which I think ties into that whole shame thing, doesn't it? Um, mm. And how much time do you think about drinking or not drinking? Uh, and do you find yourself rationalising your behaviour? Um, and I think, you know, all those things are, are things that, you know, were turning around in my head, but I never really mm. sort of questioned myself until I started interacting within the sober community and listening and reading other people's stories. And then I was like, ooh. Mm. Can recognise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, I... that kind of subconscious thoughts about it were becoming conscious thoughts. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think for me, and again, uh, now that we've come a few years, I I wonder if if I ha I ha did have the clarity, I would have had the clarity. But I think in in addition to those really useful questions, and also how much I was drinking, I think I sort of wished that I had been able to really truthfully ask myself if I was happy. Even you know, how does this really feel for me? And not try and shoehorn my way into some kind of model of what normal should be. So I should be drinking at the weekend because everybody else is drinking at the weekend. But actually, you know, really have that dialogue with myself. How is this for me? How really, really is this for me? And, um, you know, I just didn't have the... Like I say, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I spent so much time looking outside to see, to try and judge whether what I was doing was normal. And I think that was probably a big factor. If I'm starting to do that, that's, that's not a healthy place, is it? That's not a, a kind of place of integrity for me where I'm hearing what I actually need. And I think one of the most beautiful sort of parts of being sober is that reconnecting with myself and, and actually being able to finally get to grips with what I need and hear what I need. Um, well, that's so, exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's like, you know, probably the reason why you, you found it difficult to to have that clarity is because you were you know because you were drinking and uh, yeah, it's very hard to 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 know really how you feel about stuff when you're dumbing yourself down and um yeah and that that thing about normal I think we'll come back to it you know a lot of times I really struggle and I still struggle um, and I think if you um have sort of mental health issues or anxiety issues um or sometimes you just struggle or, you know, or whatever. That that concept of what's normal, there's two parts, isn't it? There's like, 
I, you know, often feel, and I very much felt like that yesterday. It was just like, I just want to be normal. Like, I don't want to have problems. I just want to be like everybody else. And it's such a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say because yeah. it's like, you know, everyone has problems and, you know, every story matters mm. and you don't know what what's going on behind closed doors. And isn't um, there that brilliant quote, this really helped me, well, you've just reminded me, it was like, don't judge your insides by other people's outsides. Oh, like yeah. that cut yeah. through so much bullshit for me. I was like, oh, of course. I don't know why it's, you know, but that was powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much no, of that going on. Right. Um, so what about our, we're coming to the end, aren't we? So the, the tips of the day. <laughs> yeah. And the reasons to love sober. Yeah. So um, my tip of the day, this is quite a random one, um, but when I was really struggling um, a few years back, uh, we got a cat, <laughs> and we got a cat because we had mice. Um, but um, but having a pet, or I think it's connection, basically. It's like I'm on my own quite a lot. My husband works away, and... Um, and alcohol kind of became my friend. Um, you know, it was like someone that, you know, I could interact with in the evening by myself. And, um, and you know, now I have a, a cat, like I just feel less lonely and um, that's really helped me, you know, and it's just, and I think cats are very um, interesting animals and, and I, I like to talk about it on my Instagram about, you know, my cat life and trying to imitate my cat because, you know, they always look for the sunniest spot to fall asleep <laughs> in and, you know, they always find the highest spot to look down and, and, mm. and keep a watchful eye over things. So anyway, yeah, I think my tip of the day is uh, just part of that sober toolkit is maybe to to get a pet to mm. look after you. I love that. I love what you say as well. It's such a good metaphor, isn't it, that they always look for the sunniest spot. Yeah. And I love that. And the high spot. I think I'm like, I, like, oh, I can use that. I'm going to go and metaphorically look for my sunny spot. <laughs> yeah. So thank you and for also that. they just don't give a shit as well. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they just do, they, they really just don't. do what they, they just do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, regardless, and they've kind of, and also they're very good at, se- at having separate spaces. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> they've got boundaries, they, man. <laughs> they do have boundaries. It's like, they don't shit and eat at the same time. No. You know, they, they, they have their place to go and eat. And I think, you know, I'm constantly multitasking sort of like with my phone and like talking to my kids and like, you know, cooking at the same time. And it's like, oh, you know, be more like a cat. Just focus mm. on what you've got to do in the right place. Don't take your phone to bed with you. You know, just kind of, yeah, have some boundaries. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. My tip of the day, <laughs> I don't really woman. have a, I, that's, that's the best tip of the day I've ever heard. Mine would be, just quickly, I got out with um, my daughter yesterday, had a bad day at school. And, um, and then we, uh, unusually, my husband was home because he doesn't usually get home till later. So we took the dog out and went to the local woods and we found some frog spawn. <laughs> and um, it's very, very weird. But um, my tip of the day would not necessarily be having to go and look at some frog spawn, but to get out in nature. Because actually, when I look back at it, that was probably the high point of my day. I didn't realise it was going to be. But um, And also, if you can find some frog spawn, that's a bonus because it's freaking weird and you can't be in a bad mood if you're looking at that stuff, I'll tell you. Um, yeah. Good one. And um, reasons to love sober. 
Um, yeah, so this is our hashtag that we're running on social media. So if you have any reasons to love sober, you can hashtag reasons to love sober and then hopefully we'll be able to read some out from other people. Uh, for me, reasons to love sober today, um, well, today is 201 days. Uh, I forgot yesterday. Yeah, it's amazing. Bad, bad mood. Uh, thank you. Um, and uh, it's it's nice to have milestones. Um Talk, well, we'll talk about this, but um, something Gretchen Rubin said, um, it's when you're trying to break habits or change habits, uh, not to call them goals, but to call them milestones, because goals you um, get to the end of and milestones you pass and continue. So mm, nice. anyway, um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to just have moments when you can sort of pat yourself on the back and feel mm, proud yeah. um, and just be like, oh, yeah, check me out, like. And, and also, you know, you can sort of have that yay from other people. Um, so, yeah, that's my reasons to love sober today. Yeah, to reflect on it and give yourself a bit of credit. It's really important, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, and so mine today, uh, I'm aware of the time, but I'll try and be quick, is um, I actually had a bit of a milestone today, which I had my very first coaching client. And um, and I was just lit up by the process, quite nervous, but um, I was really lit up by talking to someone about their values and their goals and where they want to go and brainstorming all this sort of possibility. And there is no way I would have been on this journey if I hadn't got sober and if I hadn't quit drinking and got in touch with what, actually what I really want to do. So that I just feel like that's lit me up today and that's my reason to love sober. So we've come to the end and um, it's time to say goodbye for another week. Um, thank you for tuning in to Love Sober and we'll see you next week for more chat. Thank you. Bye-bye.